We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Blue with Stu. I'm your host, Stuart Douglas. We got special guest, Rob Doster. Rob, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, man. I just feel like I'm really letting down your uh, your listeners. They're all fired up to hear who Stu's going to get next, and it's me on here talking more. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole other subject about getting guests. It's not easy out here. No, you know not, how it hey, is. Trust me, I get. I do our UConn podcast, man. I get it. It's hard. Yeah. I got I, I'm I'm trying to get Sandman, I'm trying to get strength coach John Sanderson on. It's been like a month in the works. Obviously, they're I think they've already flown to London. So anybody on the team is pretty much off limits right now. But hopefully we'll have some more of that down the road. Um, but today we got you. And I'm not I'm not mad about it. Yeah, I'm here to provide the insightful analysis about uh I guess the Virginia game, right? Yeah, Virginia game. I want to look forward to Kentucky. I don't know how much you've watched Kentucky, but we'll break down Virginia. Way too much Kentucky, I promise you. They there we go. Perfect, perfect. Because I've yet to break that down, and I and I want to get into that. And the Virginia game, I have so many things to say. I'm going to try and keep this pod short, but there's so many things that I want to talk about because this team is so close. Like they're so close to being really good. There's a lot of factors that play into it. They definitely have the talent. I know that much. Like, you know, last year's team, they had the talent, but it was like, all right, is it going to bloom? Like, is it going to happen? This team, like, you're like, you've seen it already. Like, all right, it's there. Like, they just got to piece it together to figure it out. Tough game. They controlled a lot of the game, and they're in the lead for basically uh, the majority of the game. And then down the stretch, Virginia was just Virginia, right? They were just solid. Got some turnovers hit their free throws, and were just solid and ended up beating Michigan by two. But what I really like to see, I'm going to start with some positives, is the offense. You know, well, the, the what plagued them last year was kind of looking at Hunter and teams were sending doubles and everyone was just kind of looking. Like, okay, well, what are we going to do? This year, this specifically this last game, you saw it in the post. Hunter caught in the post and was already looking where to pass because he knew that double team was coming. They practiced a lot of days on that double team, so that looked good. So they'll start building blocks on that. There's other things we'll get into, but from an offensive standpoint, like they were just more decisive. Yeah, they hit some shots. I had somebody on Twitter be like, well, you know, 
offenses look more decisive when they hit shots, but they weren't playing one-on-one, right? They weren't like looking at each other, playing one-on-one. You can't do that against the top teams. You got to be running the offense. And they, they were, that was a step forward. I thought specifically with the double downs, because they've been, I mean, it's been two years now they've been trying to figure that stuff out. Yeah. The, the thing that was so impressive to me is that they were so good. If you've ever seen Virginia play and I don't know how much Michigan fans have actually watched Virginia, there's two things that they do. Like they're known for the pack line, which is like everyone kind of packs in the paint. You have one guy pressuring the ball. All the other help defenders have at least a foot in the paint, no drivers, no middle or no baseline, force everything into the middle, force everything to the pack. That's why they call it the pack line. Uh, but what Virginia does differently than a lot of other teams that play pack line is they hedge really hard every ball screen. And usually they double team every post touch, like while the ball is in the air. So as soon as you catch the ball in the post, you got a second guy right there in your face and they just don't let you get post ups. They don't let you back anybody down. And Michigan was moving the ball so well out of it. In like the first 10 minutes that they just completely bailed on that. And they were like, yeah, you know what? We have six foot eight Ben Vanderplas who transferred in from Ohio. And we're just going to yeah. let him play one on one against Hunter in the post because they couldn't they couldn't rotate fast enough because yeah. Michigan was so efficient at getting the ball. You put up forty five points and a half against Virginia. You know how hard yeah. that is to do. Yeah, and that, that's that's the decisiveness. That was where it came from. Like you don't get those open shots unless you're decisive, and they kind of went away from it. And Virginia went one on one. It didn't really work for them. They came back to doubling, especially uh, specifically in the last two minutes. They caught. That one great turnover, Hunter turned mm-hmm. it over, trying to uh, throw it to the top of the key. I think Beekman got that one, and then they got that flagrant, that open court foul. But Michigan went away from it a little bit. Like, they were running specifically in the second half. How many times do you think I can say specifically in a podcast? Well, you could probably specifically say it about nine more times. I probably can't. But in the yeah, second if half. You really it, tried. If you put in the effort, like, yeah. you probably could. Yeah. Some guys are really good with that. Yeah. Seamless as, like, a bit. I, I'll try. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. But in the second half. They were just running this these um, ball screens with Baker setting them in the uh, the first screen, or I think maybe Terrence said a couple of them. But they were running double ball screens and then trying to roll that way and like have Joey be the shooter as the pop out guy, bulldog as Beeline called it, and then have Hunter roll, and then the ball handler was just keeping his keeping the uh, dribble alive, like they weren't throwing it ahead. So like. They were trying to break down the ball screen in different ways when really you have a hard hedge, and I can't believe they didn't punish him enough for it. You have a hard hedge like that. What's the number one thing you do? You throw that ball ahead. Like that, now, bam, that that, that five man's out of position. Like that five man's tall enough. Uh, those Their five men were tall enough. Even Vanderplas was tall enough to like disrupt anything that Jalen was going to get or even Doug was going to get from out of a ball screen. He was going to throw over the top. You As soon as you pass that ball off to the wing, Strong side man, boom, it's four on three. Like that five man is out of position and you got enough shooting in the corner to figure it out. They never did it. They just kept trying to like adjust what the ball screen was going to do instead of specifically punishing that man, that five man for hard hedging. There's a reason you don't see hard hedging in the NBA, right? It just doesn't happen. You can't do it. It's impossible. Now the problem is like the, the way that Virginia does it is they hedge so hard and they, and I just don't think there are college guards that are necessarily good enough to be able to do that. Right. Like you're asking, you're asking a lot of of Jalen Llewellyn who is, uh, not exactly looked like he's been i mean tell me if i'm wrong here tell me if i'm out of line but not exactly looked like he's been completely ready for big 10 level basketball yet is that uh, yeah yeah that's fair i'm it's, trying um, to be nice i'm trying to be no, nice it's, with <laughs> but like to, to my my to my point like i'm not making any point guard 
create out of a high hedge. Like you got two people on you. What are you gonna? What do you expect any point guard to do? The right to throw the ball. Like it should be a pass. They had some short rolls in the second half. Like they were doing a really great job. I thought it was a great adjustment. They, I think, right out of the gate, Jet had a ball screen, and Hunter came up to set the screen. Jet didn't even dribble, and then the big man came up to hedge, preparing for Jet to dribble. It didn't dribble. Hunter cut, boom, wide open, and then they moved it, and I think they got a basket out of it. Like, stuff like that. The ball had to move, and that was some game-planning stuff. And I think this is – I'm going to be lenient on, on like, the coaching staff and, and game-planning. Those are some adjustments you have to make. And they did a really good job in the last – in the previous two games to adjust for the trapping in the post, and they did a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to see more hard hedging on the way. I don't really know. Is any big t- – hard hedge like that i mean virginia's pretty pretty unique there's, in that way like hard, this because hedging hard is tough like you'll get punished for it so it, it's amazing that virginia can do it so well yeah you have to be really really drilled because of all everything that you just kind of laid out there you have to be really really drilled in terms of your rotations and your help side defense and um yukon does it a lot there's a couple other teams that do it but for the most part i think especially with the how many big lumbering five men we see in college basketball these days yep. you just see a lot like everyone just kind of plays drop Right. That's what everyone does, because that's what right. that's what you do in the NBA when you have Rudy Gobert. You just play drop coverage. Right. Because that's because otherwise you're just giving up a huge advantage. Remember, Beeline all the time, like you're running one, three, one. He said the only thing you can't give up is a direct line pass. That's it. And it was right there all game. Yeah. The hard hedge. Boom. Direct line pass to the guard up strong side. And then and it's right there. Like then you can throw it in the middle. You know, guys like Draymond made a absolute hall of fame career out of playing four on three right it's it's not hard and you got to punish teams for it so i don't know it was a little disappointing from that standpoint but they did they did a lot of things pretty well to get back to Jalen. i think he's he was the only one that wasn't decisive like the absolute only one now he did get a couple of open jumpers which he is very capable of doing he has not shot the ball well his numbers dispute that throughout his career the more open jumpers he's going to get, the more he's going to knock down. He's going to be a huge threat for them. But in terms of like playing point guard and creating, he's just not looking at the rim. Like Jet, Jet doesn't think, right? Jet just does what Jet does, and he just plays. He had a couple runners where you're like, ah, okay, tough shot. It went in, but you let guys shoot that shot. Like I feel like today's game, especially when you're going to piece together a team like this with young guys, grad grad players, like you got to let them play the game. You can't stifle them too much. Because then there goes their confidence. Then you're just trying to mm-hmm. player than what you have. Like Jalen can score, and I and I think he's trying to be like the veteran guy, the point guard. And there was specifically <laughs> there it is again one moment that he turned it over. He had that huge turnover at the end, and he was coming off a ball screen, and they didn't. It, uh, Terrence kind of slipped the ball screen, didn't set it really well, and I think Vanderplas didn't really hedge it, and he kind of had a little bit of downhill. He had Clark on his right hip, and he was going. He got past the three point line. Hunter was blocking his way to get to the left side for a layup because he was posting up. He got into the paint. He got a foot in the paint, and he had little Clark on him, and he decided to pass the ball. Jalen last year, I feel like, would have done a spin move, turned around, bam, 13-footer jumper. I don't care who you were in front of my face. That's the type of guy that they need. Like, they need that decisiveness at the end of games. I mean, you, you can't be yeah, passing up shots in the tournament like that. Yeah, but it's also – you're 100% right, but it's also so hard to go from playing – in the Ivy league to playing at a big 10 level. Right. And I'm sure that there's, yeah. a, there's, there's an element of 
when you go from being the guy on a small team to being someone that's supposed to be playing a role and being a leader on a team that has an all American and a, you know, let's be frank, uh, uh, borderline millionaire as the five man and Hunter Dickinson, yeah. you have a coach's son that is averaging, what is he averaging? Like 14, 16 points and shooting 44% from three. It looks like he's going to be a first round pick. Yeah. Chet Howard, you know, you have all of this talent on the roster and you come in, you're supposed to be that voice and that leader. I can see how that would be imitate, uh, intimidating, but it's also like you're, you're brought in to not be intimidated by that moment. Like there's a reason why, you're, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a reason why he's brought in to do that job. You need to be able to do a, a certain role. Um, I think he's talented enough to do it, right? He was a kid. Yeah. I know I know he went to Princeton, but he was like a top 100 recruit, borderline top 100 Dude, recruit. He went yeah. to Princeton. Uh, I think it was like, I want to say Clemson recruited him. I want to say there were other high majors that were involved in his recruitment. He decided to go to Princeton. So it's not like he's not a talented player. I think he'll figure it out. Um, I do, I do hope that Michigan fans kind of understand. Like, look, there was a level of expectation for this team coming into the season, right? It, top 20 or whatever they were ranked. They had Hunter Dickinson. They had Jed Howard. They had all these guys. Um, you got 30 piece by Arizona state. And then you turn around and you play well enough to beat the number three team in America. Yep. And I know it's a disappointing loss. And I, and, and when you're a program like Michigan, like it, it's very hard to sit here and be like, that's a moral victory. You should be happy with it. Kind of, like it kind of is right. It, it's, when you get your ass kicked by a team where you have a kid, did you see what happened with the, uh, Marcus Bagley, the Arizona State player? No. He hasn't played since like the second game of the season. And he tweeted out, I just want to clarify, I'm not injured right now, but I mouthed off to Coach Hurley after a game and I got suspended for it. Um, and then he like he posted that on Twitter. Like he did the notes app uh, screenshot, yeah. posted on yeah. Twitter. And then – uh, like an hour later, he quote tweeted and it was like, I just got suspended for sending that tweet. <laughs> so like there's all kind of <laughs> drama in that program and you yeah. got 30 piece by then. That's not, that's not good. And then you turn around and you have this kind of a performance. Whereas where if they play like this, the rest of the season, they're going to be, they're, they're going to be like a top six team in the big 10. They're going to be exactly what you thought they were. Right. So I know it's a frustrating yeah. loss, but at the same time, it's a kind of performance where you're like, okay, look, we, we figured this thing out a little bit. You covered. You could, it was the spread was three and a half. You covered. Yeah. Right. Good teams yeah. win. Great teams cover. Stewart. That is very. That is very true. God, did they not? And I want one one more point on that. Virginia is awesome this year. I know they don't really have guys that you've heard of before, right? They don't have the potential um, all Americans like they did when it was Ty Jerome and, and, and Kyle Guy. Yeah. But Reese Beekman is a stud. That dude's going to be a first round pick. Um, they, they they have two terrific on-ball defenders that can both play point guard and Reese Beekman and Kihei Clark. Um, Caden Shedrick is just – he's big and he's athletic and he understands kind of the, the job that you're supposed to do as a five-man in that Virginia offense. And then Armand Franklin, who played it – I mean, you guys saw him at Indiana. Yep. And then Jaden Gardner, Gardner was a 17-points-per-game scorer at East Carolina before he transferred in. Ben Vanderplas played on a team that beat Virginia in the first round of the tournament when he was at Ohio. So yep. they have – they have guys that are old. Uh, they have a couple guys that are going to be NBA players. They have guys that understand their role. And the biggest thing is it's the the top six basically came back from last season. And I know that they only like they it was they weren't great last year, but the biggest thing with Tony Bennett teams is you need to be in that system for a year to learn and get drilled everywhere you need to be and get schooled on that defense. So they're like they they can. 
they're ranked number three in America, and they are like legitimately a top three team in America. That is a very, very good basketball team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Still, it's funny that... Like Blowing up. Who's now. calling you? you well, know, co-worker. Co-worker? I was going to say. I was going to guess that was uh yeah. that was that was um that was uh Nan was it Nandug on Twitter? Nandug, yeah, <laughs> Nandug. My mom, yeah. Always chirping my mom. Oh man. She's a she's a treat on social media to say the least. <laughs> she she makes me laugh, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Everybody everybody loves her. Um Yeah, it, it's funny I I agree. Uh, Virginia is a top team, but the difference is not that far off. I mean, hmm. I've been on Houston for three years now. I got Houston, you know, head and shoulders. You know, that'll change throughout the year probably. We'll watch, watch Texas tonight against Creighton and your your opinion of who's the best team in America might change. There you go. So there's only there's only like maybe a handful. Like if Virginia's three, it's just not that far off from 25 or 30 or whatever it may be. I mean, you got a lot of these teams, your typical blue bloods that are like, okay, they're fine, but they're not normal. Like anybody can beat anybody. It's going to be an interesting year. And – you know, the whole time I'm watching it with a little bit of, man, this Virginia team can be beat like this. Obviously, scoring 45 points is not the norm against Virginia. Like it was there, and you just want some more consistency from Michigan in that regard. But I don't know. They're 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 piecing it together. So yeah, there is a lot. It's of a missed stuff. opportunity more than anything else, right? Like That's you're the kind thing. of you're you kind of playing with games. Yeah, you're kind of playing with house money at that point. Um, so the, it's not a loss is going to hurt you, but it's the opportunity cost. It's, you know, that's the kind of win where when you are sitting, I don't want to say they're going to be on the bubble. Cause I think you're going to be better than that. But if you're sitting there and, and the committee's looking at you and it's like, all right, you know what? They're somewhere between a six and a seven seed, but you know what? They got this win over Virginia. Virginia is a number three team in America. They're number two in the net. They're number one in Ken Palm. Uh, you know, we got, I guess that's why we're going to have to move them up to the six seed. And if you're a six seed, then you avoid a top two seed in the second round of the tournament. Right. So yeah. it, it's the kind of thing that could, that's going to affect you when it comes to the NCAA tournament, to seeding, the bracketing, all that kind of thing. And that, that could end up being the kind of thing that keeps from getting to a second week of the tournament. But beyond that, take the positives out of it. That's, that's just the way that I look at it. Right. It sucks that you yeah. lost, but um, think about the Ohio state game. Keep yourself happy that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michigan fans are riding that high for sure. 
they're they're not they're not upset. And then once that season's over, they're gonna get right back on the critique and more Michigan basketball stuff. But right now, yeah, they're they're pretty much playing with house money in terms of being a Michigan fan in that regard. Uh, but yeah, the, the I, I I think the pieces are there. It's just kind of putting it together with confidence. I mean, knowing your role, like everybody in Virginia knows what they're doing. And Beekman, like what Armand had, what four points or something, and Beekman mm-hmm. had. 15 in the first half and he's not usually that type of guy like that you got guys teams like that that win they pick their spots so it's not you know they're not looking around at each other like oh what's our plan Who, are you going to drive right now are you going to play one-on-one you know michigan had was played with that all last year and it, it, some of that this year i think this is the way that i would phrase it you have to beat virginia they're never going to beat themselves right they they're they're going to even if you put up 45 on them, like, I don't think you look at that and say Virginia played poorly in the first half. This is my problem with like, like I, as a player, like if you're going to play me one way, good luck, good luck. You're going to hedge me like that. And you're going to double in the post. You're giving me an advantage. Like Mm -hmm. you got to take advantage of it. And so to your, like for you as a basketball college fan and like goes the landscape, you're like, yeah, you got to beat Virginia. This is what they do. To me as a player, it was like looking at it like feasting. There's so many open spots. You gotta mm-hmm. they, you gotta beat these teams, but I don't know. It was like an insult. It was an insult when teams did that stuff. It was an insult when they played two three zone against me. It was an insult when they were gonna like double and like leave me open in the corner. Like you gotta take it as an insult and punish these teams, but I it just looked like they didn't know how to do it. And I don't know, maybe that's Virginia's key to success is like, oh yeah, it's college basketball. Most teams don't figure this out one through five players on the court which is that that's happens. the thing like that that's what makes them so good you know exactly what you're going to do and you just can't do anything about it because they are so good at it and that's why it took them you know that's why it takes a little time for for virginia to kind of get that thing when they lost everybody lost Kyle guy ty jerome and uh deandre hunter from the team that won the title it took yeah. them like three years to get back to the point where they had guys that were old enough and veteran enough and understood what you had to do within the system so um, I hear what you're saying, but like I've watched enough Virginia basketball to know that like there's a lot of teams that are like, why the fuck can't we figure out how to beat this this the uh, this high this hard hedge or why yeah. can't we figure out how to what to do with this double team? It's like, yeah, they're really good at it, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's a pain in yeah. the ass. <laughs> no, it's true. It is true, but I don't know. I kind of want a shot at Virginia again in the tournament. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's something's irking me about it, but. To talk about ball string defense from a Michigan standpoint, that was one of the three takeaways from the game. We talked about it before uh, earlier in the pod, like drop drop coverage on ball screens. Like it's huge in the NBA. It's huge with these big lumbering fives. And they, we've been running it with Hunter all year long. And I understand it. And you can you can come at it from a different standpoint. Like I get it. You got to save Hunter. I don't want him gassed the last 10 minutes of the game because he's hedging everything. Mm-hmm. There comes a point where you can't be letting the ball handler have straight line drives to the basket. Like if you give up a straight line drive, help side defense is not going to do anything. You're, at that point, you're over committing and then you're giving up open threes. So there's some point where Hunter's got to be a little more keyed in on using that seven foot wingspan and his big frame and not have hands down hunched over 10 feet back. Cause like there's a, there's plenty of skilled guards in the country you catch one guy and he's going to you know, drop coverage for Luka Doncic, for example. This is extreme example, but like good luck. Good luck mm-hmm. playing that. And all it takes is one point guard to be like, yeah, sure. Like we'll run this over and over and over again. And they got, you know, matchups is everything in the tournament. Mike got a little lucky with certain matchups in the tournament last year and they got the Sweet 16. And 
this is going to be a problem for them again. It was a huge problem against Virginia. Like, they, I mean, you know, oh, they played good defense. They gave, gave up only 70 points. Like, it's not horrible. Hey, they got the way they got scored on, I thought was not great. And it was also 62 possessions, right? Virginia yeah. plays slow. If you give up 70 to Virginia, you're, that's that's like oh, giving up 85 to a normal team. Yeah. And I got the I, I got the Campon page open now. That's 1.13 points per possession, which is not no, they were it's bottoms of yeah, that's yeah. not that's not good. Can you win doing it? Sure. You got to score more, but I don't know what the solution is here. Like they got to be just a little more tuned in to your point. Virginia is exactly what they're doing. And even if one doesn't work, like they're going to stick to it. doesn't even look like Michigan is really executing what they want to execute. Yeah, I guess it's it drop coverage is never. You're basically betting on the point guard not being able to make a play, more or less, right? Because if you if you have someone that's good at when he gets somebody on his hip and is able to kind of keep it, I don't know what you guys called it. We we said uh, keep the defender in jail, right? If you keep that defender on your hip, um, and yeah. You, you have someone that knows how to to do that and kind of corral the dribble, and um, you're basically playing two on one as soon as and and if anybody helps, and that point guard's got an easy pass to someone shooting a three. So drop coverage is to me, it's a difficult thing to play. Um, but I understand why you got to do it right when you got the the hunter out there. Uh, let me ask you this because it feels like to me, Hunter is one of those guys where you know he's going to show up in the biggest games, right? So you got Kentucky coming up this weekend yeah. in, in London, right? That just feels like the kind of game he's going to show up and you're going to get 28, 12, four blocks out of him because yeah. he's going up against Kentucky. It's national television, it's in London, it's Oscar Sheeway, reigning national player of the year. Right. That that feels like a big game hunter kind of a game. Um yeah. is it is that fair to say? Like does he does it seem to you like he get, I don't want to say bored with some of these non-conference games, but it's like it's year three. He's been through it, he's had a couple tournament runs. Um, is that the kind of thing where where he he needs that little bit of extra juice to get him going? I think so. I think so. You saw that last year at the beginning of the year. I think Arizona State, he didn't have the juice that he did against. Now, I think a lot of that was the focus on the offense, right? They were they're like, we're feeding Hunter right right now. And it doesn't matter if we're gonna give it to him at 15 feet. Like we're playing through Hunter. Like he's gonna knock down some jumpers, fine, but we're gonna give it to him. So some of that I'm also think pissed Hunter... off the entire roster. Like he he go, Yeah, we're gonna beat it by 20. Maybe you don't want to go out there and, and put that out in the universe publicly yeah. before you go yeah, play. No, anymore. you definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> and then not back it up while but, with hey, if you did that, if you if you went on a podcast. Right before a game against anybody, and and you said we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna beat him by twenty. What are you talking about? What would I, uh, what, what would Beeline have done to you? Beeline would have freaked out. He'd have lost his mind. <laughs> I did that once, kind of against. Not, I mean, not that, not that far, but we played Northwestern at Northwestern my senior year, and somebody asked me about the crowd, and I was like, they're not that loud. Uh, it's really not that bad, honestly. There's a lot of Michigan fans, and I show up to warm ups, and I'm just getting berated. They have like their physics books open while they're braiding me from the student <laughs> section, quarter filled. And I'm like, you guys aren't even all here. Like, what what are you what do you mean? Everyone hated me for it. And I'm like, I didn't say anything that was wrong. And at the end of that game, the uh go blue chant was the loudest thing in the gym the entire night. And I was like, Yeah, this proves my point. So you gotta you gotta back it up. I, I spoke truth, what I thought were true, they came true. Yeah, to do that and not back that up. I mean, to do that in general, Beyond would have lost his mind. 
I think, you know, Hunter, Hunter gets away with more stuff though. Like if I would have done it, no, I would not have got away with well, it. They, no. It's all, it's, it's a new era, man. It, yeah. It's, it's the NIL era. It, it's when, uh, when, uh, I'm not, I'll, I don't want to say that on, on the pod, but yeah, it's a new, it's a new era. There's a definitely a player empowerment and players have more say over things. Yeah. But the point is you got to back it up. Like you got to back it up and yeah, Hunter's going to be juiced for a Seaway. Like it, no doubt about it. I think he was pretty juiced for Virginia. I don't. I don't think he brought it the same way they did against Arizona State, um, but I think he's motivated, definitely for a Kentucky. Now, to mm-hmm. get to that, to get to this matchup in general, like I'm biased. I don't think Sheway's all that great. What he can do for Hunter, and which could be a problem for him, is getting him out of position. You see Hunter get a little tall, and then get pushed out to 15 feet. You get guys that are way a lot less than him pushing him out to 15, 16 feet. And don't get me wrong, he can score from that distance, but I think Sheway's athletic enough to at least push him out and then stay with them and contest those jumpers and then yeah. contest anything he's going to put on the dribble. Like if if Hunter can get to five, six feet, lock him in jail with that right shoulder and get a hook, I don't have any any chance of defending that. I think the biggest thing that that Hunter needs to avoid is getting in foul trouble. It's very easy to get. In what foul was he doing? That was that was my that was my thing with the the. Uh, that dead ball flagrant or dead ball, that was wild. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But Shibway's a guy, like, he's so strong and he's so, so aggressive on the offensive glass that it's very easy to, um, if you're not if you're not all the way locked in on every shot that goes up, if you're not all the way locked in um, every time you try to get a box out on him, it's very easy to kind of get the lazy, like, he gets offensive rebound, you give the swipe, don't really hit him, but, you know, when you go like this, Officials are yeah. going to call. It's very easy to pick up a couple of those, and you do that, and then you, you're going into the bench, and all of a sudden, like she weighs just eating. Um, I'm also so you're. I agree with you on your when you say like she weighs isn't really all that. He is the absolute best role player in college basketball. Like he's not a go to oh, yeah. guy. He's not someone that you throw the ball to on the block and just kind of let him go to work. Right when the biggest issue that Kentucky has is that their offense kind of comes down to this idea where. Um, we got to run stuff through Oscar because he's the player of the year, right? We got to get him the ball. We got to find ways to make it work. And what they'll do is they kind of end up getting him post-ups from about eight or nine feet away. And like, that's just not his game. Yeah. No, he's, he's not, he's not overly skilled. He's not someone that's going to knock down jumpers. He's not someone that's going to turn and face like jab one dribble, spin back to a, a hook on his, over his left shoulder. What he does well is he does it better than anybody in the country. Like his motor never ends. He is relentless on the offensive glass. And he's one of those dudes where like calling him just strong is the wrong way to phrase it. Like, you know how there's those guys where no matter how, how, how hard you're like arm barring them, how hard you're pushing against them. Like they just walk and go wherever they want. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just, yeah. it, it, you just can't Sims called it army strong. Yeah. His arm is strong. Man. Like you just, you, you can't keep him from getting where he wants to go. And when he's going to get an offensive rebound, the other thing is, watch this closely because it, it just baffles me. It, like his shoulders are wide, his arms are long, his hands are huge, and when he goes up and gets a rebound, it's like it's, it's he's like swallows it. It just it, I I don't know. Yeah, that's the best way that I can kind of phrase it because he just goes up and he just grabs it, and it's just like yeah, no one else has a chance of getting that. And then when he when he has his hands around the ball, his like fingertips are touching. It's you just have no chance once he gets his palms on it. But um, I think what makes uh, him go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. The, the it's funny like how aggressive he is. It's going to work to Hunter's advantage when Hunter's on offense. 
mm-hmm. and it's going to work under disadvantage when Kentucky's on offense, and he's going to have to actually follow him around and box him out, and just can't rely on being taller than everybody else. And you absolutely so, cannot. You got to put a body on him. Um, and but like that's that's what he does great. And there's two things it allows you to do. One, um, you you oftentimes need to put two people on him to keep him from getting on the offensive glass, which opens up lanes for other people to get to the offensive rebounds and, and kind of yeah. get tip dunks. Um, it makes it so that you kind of limit what other teams can get in transition. Cause I mean, you really only need to send him and one other guy to the offensive glass and you're going to be a top five offensive rebounding team in college basketball. And he's so good on the defensive glass. You can kind of get leak outs and, and it allows you to kind of get easier buckets in transition, but like their best offense is missing a shot and letting Sheway go and get it. You know, yeah. you're, you're going to watch Kentucky play and you're going to be like, what the fuck are they running? Like, what is it? It's not 2006 right now. Like what, what is this offense? What are you doing? And yeah. I've been, I've been pretty critical of, of Cal this year. Like, I don't think he's finding ways to kind of maximize this team. They still run the same stuff that they ran when you were playing. Right. And they haven't modernized anything. It's the same sense. I swear to God, if you go, if you watch this game and you go back and watch film of the John wall team, when they had uh when like Eric Bledsoe was there and those guys, it's the yep. same sets and the same off. Everybody knows what they're running. They just and they don't have the talent to be able to kind of win matchups when you know what's coming, right? There's there's teams out there where you can know what's coming and it doesn't matter because they're just good enough to beat you, right? And then there's yep. teams where they they're able to win, they're able to be effective because they just keep you guessing. And you have like you'll you'll react to a play you think is coming. They got a counter drawn up, and you're going to get a back door. You get a dunk out of whatever. Right? Bill Self is great at designing those counters. Cal's not that guy. He he can't scheme ways to get Shebway Duckins where all he has to do is seal, turn around, and lay it in. Uh, right. He can't find ways to get guys. He's got some shooters on the team. He can't find ways to scheme them open shots. There's no like two-man games. They're not really running ball screens, and the guy they're running ball screens with can't shoot. All you got to do is go under it and just dare him to shoot, and he's throwing it off the side of the backboard. Like it just they have too much talent on that roster to be as bad as they are. And they're not, I don't think that they're very good. Like they're they're fourth on Kempom right now, which is baffling to me. I don't understand. Really? I think I think Michigan wins this game. So do I. I and I think it, it they match up well, specifically how uh, Michigan wants to play defensively. Like you tell me, you've watched Wheeler enough. I watched him a little bit. Not a great shooter, small, really wants to pass the ball. You're going to run a ball screen with him. Drop coverage isn't bad, I don't think. I mean, you can tell me I'm wrong, but I think it kind of bodes well for Michigan to kind of play that more against him and be like, all right, we're not going to let Reeves create all that much, and we're going to make sure you know Shibway isn't going to get a dunk off this from a from a drop pass from Wheeler. So I don't I don't, I don't think you need to play drop coverage against him because I think you just go under ball screens, right? Like it's. They, not... I mean, they tr- they tried that against Virginia though, and then they do you know you get him going under once, you come you come back around, and then the guards out of position and you're all out of whack there. Like they gotta they gotta figure that part out. But yeah, but Kentucky's not doing anything that crit- like they're they don't. There's nothing creative about it. They just set a ball screen for Wheeler, Wheeler and, it comes to, yeah, and it comes to his left, and you just go underneath him. And if he goes back under it and shoots, like that's what you want. So you yeah. just play the, when Notre Dame beat him last year, they basically just stood the point guard like at the foul line and just said, you, Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, when you're playing pickup and you're and you're just like, Yeah, that's the shot we want. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. shoot that. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, that's the shot we want. That's what Notre Dame did to, to Severe Wheeler in Kentucky. And Severe had 26 in that game, but they ended up losing because they couldn't – like you, you just completely destroy anything they want to try to do offensively. And and you just go under all the ball screens. Like it, it, It's that simple to me. 
right? Because if you go under it, you're not getting anybody coming off. You don't have to worry about the two against one. You're never going to get a roll because Hunter's just standing right there. And if, what you, the the risk is someone stepping back and getting a wide open jumper from the top of the key. And that's what you want in that situation. And that's see, that's I, I talked to Saudi Washington, assistant coach on the pod a couple of weeks ago, and I was specifically asking about shutting down Imani Bates for their game against Eastern Michigan. He's like, you know, he gave me the you know professional answer. You know, we're they got a lot of threats on their team. We got to play for everyone. They got talent. We got to teach these guys how to play team defense. You know, they're they're still trying to tell like you know mesh everyone together in terms of like team defense. Mm-hmm. Like you know how Tony Bennett has it. You know, they're trying to piece all that together as they go. But there's sometimes where you just got to shut a guy out or give up certain options because it's too advantageous. Like. You got to be denying Amani Bates the ball, I think, as soon as he hits a couple threes. And they really didn't do it. With Wheeler, I don't I don't know if they're going to – I mean, they'll go under just like they did with Clark. But they haven't executed it super well. I mean, I th- think Virginia still did a decent job of getting stuff out of it or moving on to the next play. If you're going to tell me, like, Kentucky is not going to be super creative, like you're going to go under and they're going to have an issue with it and kind of stand there, then, yeah, by all means, go ahead and do it. But I, I kind of worry that – I don't know if Michigan will commit to something like that right away. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they game plan for it instead of like playing team defense. Like Beeline always had us. We, I mean, we were mixing up defenses all the time. Like we played Penn State and Taylor Battle. My job was to deny Taylor Battle every time he gave up the ball. That was it. That was our game plan. And then play regular everywhere else. Some other games, it was you know we're 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 just going under on every ball screen. Literally everyone. So you got to have these adjustments. And they do it a little bit. They've been adjusting some of their stuff, but I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I haven't seen enough where you know, like Shedrick at for Virginia caught the ball at the top, all like a bunch uh, against the uh, game against Virginia, and there was no denial of the guards anywhere else in the court. Like that's a great time to just have Shedrick hold the ball. Like try your hardest to deny, full deny. There, there's been no like little things like that that I've seen. Um, but I don't, I don't know if you do you think that they can just play solid against Kentucky and like the, the rest will take care of itself. Uh, yeah, because the thing about Virginia is um, what like the blocker mover that they run. It, it, it's it's a lot of just like pin downs, right? It's pin downs and ball screens. They, they basically do two things. Blocker mover, which is for people who don't know, it's you basically have a guy at the top of the key and you run pin downs on either side. They try to get a shot there. Then the ball moves and it's the same thing again. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's I think they what they call it is sides is, is what is the term that they use for, I think. Um, and they also just run a lot of ball screen continuity, which is just a lot of ball screen stuff. And and, and so they have counters to all that, but it's a little bit more um, a little bit. There's movement there. There's a lot of things going on, no matter what. Like there's stuff going on in the weeks. Like there's a lot of movement, whereas Kentucky's like, OK, we're going to try this. We're going to try to get this action here, but there's no like false motion to get into it. It's just kind of, you know, what's coming. So as long as you're, you've seen the film, you understand what the sets are going to end up being and you go under on severe wheeler ball screens and you make sure that you don't let Oscar Sheway get offensive rebounds. Like they're, I, what are they going to do? Yeah. They don't have guys to be like, they just don't, they don't have that level of talent. Like their best player is a kid named Kaysan Wallace, who might be the best on ball defender in college since Marcus Smart. But he ain't breaking you down and giving you 30. Like, you're not really yeah. worried about that. So, that, I just look, I don't think Kentucky is, they're not the level that we thought they were going to be this season. And I don't think that they're well enough coached to make up for the fact that they just kind of have like 
good talent, not Kentucky level talent. So I, right. I, I think I think Michigan wins. I'll tell you this much: whatever that line ends up being, it's a it's an eight point line on Ken Palm right now. Whatever that line is on Bet Rivers, I promise you, I will be betting the Kentucky. I'm sorry, the the Michigan money line. Is it really? Yeah, Ken Palm has it has uh, Kentucky as an eight point favorite. What is Ken Palm on right now? What what does he see in Kentucky? It's so right now there is still too much of the preseason projections factored in. It's not until January that like all of the preseason projections are okay. out of there. Um, so because there's not enough like you if you're just going it off doing this stuff off of the data for this season, it's too skewed because of all of the non-conference blowouts. Um, so there's still some preseason projection data yeah. in there, which is why Kentucky's as high as they are. They're they they're like a top 20 team. Yeah, it's a great time to take some unders. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I got that last night, North Carolina IU. That was good for me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I think they match up pretty well. I think um, it's going to come down to some energy and how intense Kentucky is going to play Michigan offensively. I'm sorry, excuse me, defensively. Arizona State got into their stuff, got right in their face. They did not respond well. They respond a lot better against Virginia. It's going to be a, an interesting big man matchup, but like not your normal head-to-head matchup. Like They do very distinct things, very different things, very different styles. So it's not going to be like quite the uh, Coburn-Dickinson matchup, I feel like, a little bit of that. But um, overall, I think they match up pretty well. Yeah, money line to me. If it's going to be that big, I'm taking money line. Let's roll with that. So far, it's been a good year taking mission bets, whatever it may be, over under. So, so far, I'm rolling with it. Um, I don't know if you have any ending thoughts here with everything, uh, what you want to see from Michigan specifically against Kentucky like give me give me a way that Michigan can break down Kentucky defensively like where where is the weakness so they can they can exploit that's the that is where Kentucky is actually pretty strong right now like they can they can guard they have athletes all over the floor they have guys that want to defend um I, I'm I'll be very interested to see who they put case and Wallace on uh will they put him on because if you put him on someone like Jalen Llewellyn and just say, go wreak havoc. Like he could, he had eight steals in a game earlier this year against uh, Michigan state. Um, He could legitimately have like seven or eight steals four, seven or eight turnovers. And that could be what beats you because, you know, you pick the pocket, you go get those pick six layups. Um, I mean, that's an easy way to get like a quick eight to 10 points like that. So it'll be very interesting to see who he, who he ends up guarding, because I do think it would make, there's an argument you can make where you want to put him on Jet Howard and just don't let Jet Howard get hot. Because if you shut off the water to Jet Howard and let Oscar try to push Hunter out far enough where he's catching it like 12 feet from the basket instead of eight feet from the basket and just kind of say, all right, we'll, we'll figure it out from there. I think that's, to me, that's probably what I would end up doing. But I could see an argument for just, you know, put Case into the point of attack and just say, we're not going to let Michigan get anywhere near the three-point line to start running their offense. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. That does. And hopefully they can adjust. Like, Kobe needs to bring the ball up more. They got to start initiating some of the offense in different ways. It's a lot of pressure on Jalen, one, first and foremost. Like, you can let Kobe bring it up. You can let Jeb bring it up. Like, you got to start different ways, unique attacks. But I don't know. I'm I'm curious how they're going to guard the ball screens. You, you saw a lot of the double stagger ball screen with Joey Baker starting it and then Hunter setting the second one. Mm-hmm. And I think they can kind of take advantage of that. I, did, I don't like Toppin's defense. I mean, he, he he couldn't guard Hauser, and I think my mom could guard Hauser coming off the screen. Like, there was there was a lot of things I didn't like 
seeing some of that. And I think there's, there's ways to, if you can keep moving, like confused Toppin and Shibwe, I mean, that game was insane. Like the two layups. Now it's one game. It's anecdotal, but like two layups to tie for Michigan state, like off of blatant mistakes. So I think there's ways where you can get guys in the Toppin and Shibwe on the perimeter and cause some confusion. I'm interested to see how many threes Hunter takes. I think it's over, over two. Uh, yeah. To say the least, he usually steps out when he's got a big guy like that. But I think there's going to be some adjustments there. I, gotta, I really, I really think this is the perfect time to. Uh, I don't know how if if Michigan does this all that much, but kind of have it be a situation where you run offense through um, Hunter Dickinson at like the, the, the top of the key. Yeah, right? kind of get him get him the ball there. Run some pin downs for other people. Get some kind of floppy action. See, let let him kind of be the playmaker and the distributor. Take the pressure off of. Uh, Jalen, especially if Kaysen's on him, and see if you can't get, you know, I my guess is I'll probably put Toppin on Terrence Williams to start. I don't think you would want him chasing around Jet yeah. Howard. That seems like a suboptimal idea to me. But if you can let Hunter kind of run the offense, because you're not going to, I mean, Oscar's not going to come out all the way and guard him out there. You don't want to risk picking up right. two silly fouls, especially early in the game. So I think that is, to me, that's the pressure release right there. And I'll be interested. Yeah. To see, have they done much of that this year? You probably a little bit. They they got certain sets. Uh, They have certain sets where it's one specific. You kind of catch to the top, um, and then there's like guard or forward to guard pin downs, and then basically it ends with kind of a handoff guard to guard handoff to jet, and then Hunter sprinting up for a ball screen, and it's worked really well. I think overall they need to go to that well of the handoff with jet. The handoff with jet on the wing has been. And Jet you, is proven to be a really good passer and and reading of lanes. Hey, I'll I'll tell you this: he's better than I thought he was, dude. He uh, just he, like he just knows how to play, and you got to get him. You got to get him because he just knows what he's doing. Yeah, he he's he's bigger than I remembered him being. I, I saw him at Peach Jam. What was that? Twenty twenty one. Um, he's bigger than I remembered him. Like when I saw him there, I, I was like, yeah, that dude's like what six five something like that. No, he's like six seven, six eight. And like oh, yeah. 220. Like he's he's a big dude. Uh, I don't know if he grew or if I'm just uh, I'm I'm just Probably. the the image that I have in my head is just him smaller than he actually is, but like he can score, he comes off screen. He he's he's a good player. I hope uh I hope you enjoy him this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's been you know it's funny <laughs> with all the hype last year with Caleb Houston and all the critique he was getting, and now Jets come in from like pretty much day one, maybe like one or two hiccups, but pretty much day one, just been consistent and really good. And now I think he's being uh, kind of forgotten. Like, oh yeah, he just that's, that's what he's gonna do, and he's not as appreciated, you know. But that's like that's like college fandom in a nutshell. I feel like you know, there's always there's always something to critique, um, and always something left on the table in order uh, in regards to appreciating it. But so. I think, you know, he's a luxury, but there's so many other things that, you know, they want to piece together to be, to make a deep run in the tournament that right now he's the least of their worries. I think he no, is. But, and it's nice to kind of have that, that basis, right? You know what you're going to get from Hunter more or less in a big game. You kind of know what you're going to get from. Hell, yeah. Like he's, I think he's had one game where he hasn't hit double figures and he had nine points against like, was it Presbyterian? Something like that. Something. Um, and so you kind of know what you're going to get from those two guys. And if that's the starting point that you have with a team that is, you know, this young and this new, like I said, that's not a bad place to be in. 
if you're a Michigan fan. Like you haven't been playing as well as I'm sure that they would like or they would expect given the fact that you got an All-American, but like you're not in that bad of a spot, right? You're not not Louisville. (laughs) Good Lord. You're not Louisville. You're not not Michigan State getting 20-piece by Notre Dame. Right. Yeah, with like five and a half healthy people. So yeah, I mean, you're no, they're in a good they're, spot. They'll figure they'll figure it out. They're they'll just at it. a constant crossroads. This is how this is how Jawan coaches, right? It's like we're gonna figure it out for 12 games and then pretty much go from there. So they did last year and they figured it out. So right now they got to make a decision. You know, it's an equal opportunity offense in, in a lot of different ways. So the other guys just kind of have to be a little more consistent, or they gotta pivot a little bit and be like, all right, we're just gonna run. 67% of our stuff through Hunter and Jet, like very distinctly. So who knows? It's it's gonna change a lot, but they're they're right there. I'm not worried about it. It's gonna be fun to watch Kentucky. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here on the on the Kentucky matchup or any Michigan basketball in general? Uh who do you think is the most likely player on the team to come back with a fake British accent? Ooh. Oh, Jace. Jace? <laughs> Jace, but you'll love it. It won't be annoying. Like it'll be like endearing and he'll do it in a funny way. <laughs> I think I think he's gonna. He thinks he's Tom Holland. He loves Spider Man, so I think he's gonna like yeah, try and emulate that. But yeah, I can see Jace doing that. I'm curious to see what the uh, media team pumps out. Um, some videos they need to do it if they're smart enough. I need to, I need to hit up my guy T Dot and have have yeah. British accent stuff. But I'm sure there's <laughs> something in the works. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got for you, Steve. All right. Well, I appreciate you, Rod. It's very good. Great insight in Kentucky. So many things. I mean, my mind is scrambled with Michigan. There's just so much going on, and I've critiqued a lot, but I really like this team. I really like where they're at, the the potential of everything. And I just, you know, the expectations are high, so the critiques are going to be high. So that's a good thing. You don't want to be pat on the back and told, okay, good job. You're okay. Everything's all right. Like that moral victory against Virginia still stings a little bit, so that's a good sign for them. There's still a lot of room to improve. So I'm excited for Kentucky. Take that money line, everybody, and then thank Rob later or send Venmo requests. Either way, he'll put it, he'll tweet it out. So appreciate you, Rob. Until next time, appreciate everybody. We'll be back uh, to break down the Kentucky game a little bit and hopefully have a guest on. So until then, thank you. 